Good morning, Rimrock Church. It's great to be here with you guys this morning. I hope you guys are getting excited for the summer. It's May, so happy May to you all. I'm really excited for the warmer weather, and I'm excited to be here with you praising the Lord, so join with us.
thank you. We thank you for the work that you alone have done. We thank you that you love the world, God, and we thank you that you have allowed us now to be walking in freedom because of Christ's work on the cross. God, is all because of you and for you. Amen. Good morning. Wow. We have a full house. Welcome, everybody. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I have the privilege of serving with the other pastors. Uh, I'm Ben's favorite, by the way, of all the pastors, <laughs> just so you know. And the reason for that is because I have the mic. So there you go. So, uh, but seriously, welcome. If you're here for the first time or visiting us, we have these cards on the seat in front of you in the pocket, which is uh, really our connection card. If you'd like to fill them out and stop by the um, welcome table, uh, we have a gift for you and also kind of give you a little bit more information about who we are and why we do what we do, what we love to worship as Hannah just sang that song. Well, we love God. Why? Because he loved us first, right? God so loved the world, John 3:16. And so uh, we get together here to worship. We get together here to study the word of God to understand what that love looks like so we could go out into the world and demonstrate that love to others that do not know Christ. So that's what we're here for. Now, with that being said, I have a couple of announcements. If you happen uh, or you need prayers after the service, there'll be elders here on the, to my right and to my left on the corner. Be more than happy to be praying with you. Um, and if there's anything that you may need, we'd be happy to uh, answer any question you may have and kind of walk through you, walk to, uh, through life together with you. Uh, like, please, please, please don't feel you're all alone out there. We're part of the body of Christ and we are to be there for one another, help one another, encourage one another. So we are here for you for that very purpose. Also, we have VBS coming June 6th through 9th. This year, VBS will be here on our campus. So uh, those of you who have been involved in the past, uh, you know how much fun it is to have a whole bunch of uh, little children running around here. It's like herding cats. So it's really fun. So it, but that being said, you may have received the yellow sheet in your uh, bulletin. At least I hope you did. And that is to those of you that want to 
would love to volunteer and help us out. Um, we need a lot of volunteers. The last couple of years, we couldn't have it here on our campus because of COVID and all that, but now we're kind of back to uh, somewhat what you may call normal. So we love, love to have plenty of volunteers to minister to these kids um, so that they could learn about Christ. We also get a lot of kids coming from neighborhoods who do not, whose parents don't necessarily go to church. And so this is a great opportunity to kind of introduce them into uh, the body of Christ. And then last thing, as you know, we have, uh, we have a new study. We're studying the book of Mark. And um, there are some reading guides available to you. Uh, if you didn't receive one, they're out there on the table. I encourage you to pick one up. And also, uh, our uh, preaching team is doing something different with this series in that if you have any questions about what's being taught or you're reading the book of Mark right along with us, and you come up to questions that you're not sure about, you could mail in your question, uh, questions at rimrockchurch.com. We have developed that just for that very purpose. And uh, Ben had mentioned to me that she, he, they're getting some uh, really great questions. So please send in your questions. I don't know if you're going to get an answer back, but send in your questions anyway. No, we're going to definitely respond to every question. And sometimes... The reason, one of the reasons I think they did this, and they're not telling you this, but I think this is, they didn't tell me either, but I think they want to know if you're paying attention, because they're going to answer the question sometimes during the service, and if you send the question again, they're going to say, oh, they either missed church, or they were not paying attention, so <laughs> there's a, some other reason behind it. Also, um, I'm going to, before we close, um, I know you're all sitting comfortably, and you had your coffee, so I want you to... Um, here you go. You probably said, here he goes again. He's going to make us stand up and do something that we don't like to do. Why does he get to do the announcements? So, um, well, I'm up here again. So, since you all have such beautiful smiles, I want you to find somebody and tell them, shake their hands, introduce yourself, and tell them they have a beautiful smile. We're going to do this for about a minute. No more than that. All right? Thank you. You could decide where you're going to lunch later. I just said, tell them, tell them to have a good smile. That's all, a pretty smile. Let's have a seat. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of laughter. We thank you that um, those of us who have put their faith and trust in you, our heart is filled with your joy. Uh, joy goes beyond laughter. Joy goes beyond happiness. It's something that we experience no matter what our circumstances. And we just want to thank you uh, for that and thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, we want to lift up our kids. 
We have 68 people total at the camp, Lord, and we just want to pray for them. You be with them today as their last day today and bring them home safely. And Lord, I pray that this uh, last couple of days has been meaningful and impactful in their lives as uh, they're growing up uh, in this life, especially as things are getting harder, that they would realize and recognize there is hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Father, I pray you be with our worship uh, and be with our time of teaching and prepare our hearts for what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God, we just thank you that you are forever faithful and you are perfect in all of your ways. God, we thank you that you are the one who is sovereign and in control and holds all things together. God, will you continue just to teach us to trust you and to trust that. And be with Ben now as he comes, God, and open our eyes and ears, God, just to hear and see what you have for us today. Amen. Stay standing if that's all right. We're going to just jump into the Word of God this morning. <laughs> yeah, all right. God is good. Okay, we're going to read in Mark uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 14, and uh, we're going to be uh, looking through verse 45, but we're only going to be reading uh, some of these uh, first verses uh, together this morning. Chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simeon and his brother Andrew cast a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And then he had gone a little further. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You may be seated now. So Jill, Jill's my wife, and uh, this morning I, I woke up early and I was thinking about these verses and that phrase, the time has come, a memory flooded into my mind. And it's, it's been a long time since you've been pregnant, since we've had that stage of life where you've been pregnant. And uh, all of you parents who've experienced that season, there's something about it, right? And I only know it from a man's perspective. I don't know what it's, it's like to be pregnant, but I know from a, from a husband's perspective, it's, it's a strange time of life, right? Because there's this expectation Life's going to change. Something's going to happen. And, and when it's your first one, you don't know quite what's going to happen. But you know it's going to be big, right? You know there's this person uh, that's being formed and developing. And, uh, and I remember, Jill, you know, those nine months are pretty long, right? And especially for, for you and for those who are experiencing that. And I remember as we got towards the end of that time, and this is what stuck in my mind this morning, when Jesus said, the time has come, I remember when uh, we had those uncomfortable days because the doctor gives you the due date, but we found out it's not really on that date, right? You, we went past that due date, and you're just waiting, you're waiting. And then that day came when you said, the time has come. We got to go. We got to get to the hospital. <laughs> this, this baby's coming, right? And, uh, and I, I, that memory flooded my mind this morning, and I, I think it's a good picture of what's happening here. Last week, we looked at what Martin Luther called the highest sermon of God, where God tore the heavens open, and we saw the revelation of God's glory, His name, His nature, His character. We saw the full picture of God as, as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the, the message, you are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. There's no greater words that have ever been spoken, ever been revealed to humankind. But now we begin to see the essential message of God, 
the essential message of God and why Jesus came. And it tells us that he was proclaiming, that Jesus was a preacher, that he was going throughout the countryside proclaiming, telling, speaking a message. And it tells us what the message is. It's a very short message. We would have all liked to be in Jesus' sermons, right? Because <laughs> it's very short, but it's very profound. And it's changed all of human history, and it's changed my life. And I believe it's changed many of your lives. And if your life hasn't been changed yet, I believe if you listen, it will change your life as well. He says the time has come. It's a breaking out. There's been a waiting, much like a pregnant woman waits for the birth of a child. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, there's two, or there's actually four things that Jesus is saying here, but there's two action points. The two action points are repent and believe. Simple words, but I think a lot of times we don't understand what those mean. And so the, the, the New Testament word for repentance literally means a change of thinking, a mindset, an attitude change, a way of seeing the world needs to change. How we think about things has to change. This was the same message of John the Baptist, right? Who said, repent, because God wants to forgive sins. And so it was a baptism of repentance, a baptism of change, of thinking, of attitude, of mind. Jesus preaches the same message. In fact, we're going to see later in the Bible when the apostles, the disciples, later after Jesus has died and ascended and resurrected, they too preached a message of repentance. All preaching from God is a message of repentance. We need a change of thinking, a change of mind. The second action point is belief. Belief. We sang about that this morning. It's trust, acceptance, to give ourselves to something. Uh, I was just, uh, I, I went on a trip to uh, uh, Colorado with Michael this past week, and we were talking, and uh, we were talking about faith, and he said, you know, we, we exercise faith every time we get on an airplane. And he's right. <laughs> just recently, my wife and I flew to Florida with our kids to visit her, her parents. And, and when we get on an airplane, we, we trust that the pilot knows how to fly an airplane. <laughs> and we trust those engineers who put those planes together and manufactured that that thing will actually fly and it will get us to our destination. And so that's belief. That's trust. That's acceptance. And there's an allegiance in that you actually get on the plane, right? You're actually riding on that airplane as it flies through the air at hundreds of miles per hour. It's kind of crazy if you think about it. But we believe. This is what Jesus is talking about. Believe, trust, accept, give your allegiance to this message. And the fourth point he says, this is good. <laughs> this is good news. <laughs> this is good news. So here's the essential question that we have to ask. What is the good news? What is Jesus getting at? Because I think repentance and believe isn't necessarily good news. It's just, it's just the action points. It's, what, it's how we're to respond. This is the invitation to respond to what Jesus is saying. So what is Jesus essentially saying here? What is the most important thing that we need to know that is such good news for us today and for all of human history? This is the message. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. This 
is the most important message. And it's actually what the whole Gospel of Mark is going to be about. What is the kingdom of God and why is this good news for us? The kingdom of God has come near. Now there's some context here that I think is going to help us get our, our minds around. Because remember Jesus saying, change your thinking. Change your thinking. Believe and trust. Trust in this message that I have for you. And so what we have to understand is that uh, Jesus is at a certain point in history to the people of Israel, and he's in a time in history when there is mass uh, chaos in the world. Uh, for the Jews, uh, the Romans have upended their lives and their nation, and everything that uh, they hold dear has been upended uh, by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire has brought a certain kind of government, a certain kind of, of way of living, and it has imposed it upon the Israelites. It has imposed it not only on the Jewish people, but on all people around the world. The Roman Empire was the most powerful empire in the world at the time when this was written, when this was revealed to us. And so Jesus lived in a specific time in history. And the Jews, uh, historians have said, this was a time of heightened anticipation for the Messiah. They're looking for a savior. They're looking for someone to rescue them out of this terrible situation of Roman empire control over the state of Israel. And so they are in a time of heightened anticipation saying, we're waiting for a king to rescue us from the Romans, to rescue us from this terrible state that we're in. And I think it's interesting that Jesus came at that point because history repeats itself. Don't we find ourselves in those points throughout human history where it feels like the world has gone wrong and everything is out of control, whether it's war or famine or things are just not the way they, they should be, right? And Jesus came at a time when there was a heightened awareness of that. The world is not as it should be. There's pain, there's suffering, there's loss, there's grieving, there's abuse and disruption. The Romans were, were, were terrible overlords. They, they made life very, very hard on the Jewish people. And so they're anticipating. And so if there is a, a mindset within the Jewish people, it was, let's, let's return to how it used to be. They're, they're thinking back to the time of King David and King Solomon when Israel had wealth and respect and they had sovereignty over their land and they had, they had a great nation. And so the mindset was, let's, let's make Israel great again, right? <laughs> let's, let's return to what we had. That was the mindset. And how often don't we have that mindset as well? We, we, we yearn for days that were better. And so this is part of the human condition. This is the state of our world. All of human history has experienced this in some way. And so Jesus came at a point in history where this was so evident. And the, the issue of kingdom is really an issue of power. It's, a, it's an issue of government, rule. Who, who's in charge? <laughs> Who, who runs things? The issue of government is important to us as human beings. Uh, if, maybe you've noticed there's election signs already showing up around Rapid City, right? Elections are important to us as Americans. We hold that so valuable to us. But, but it's, a, it's a deeper human issue of what is government? What is in control of our lives? Who runs things? Who is responsible? Who's in power? And Jesus' message gets to the very heart 
of that human issue, that human issue of governments ruling who's in charge, where is true power coming from. So he says, the kingdom of God, the government of God, the rule of God, the power of God is near. Wow, this is a powerful message. It's a disruptive message. It's a message that gets right to the heart of the human dilemma. You see, we have a, we have a lot of problems as human beings, and we know it. <laughs> we, we see the problems in our society. We see our problems in the world with violence and greed and deception and corruption and abuse and broken relationships. We, we see it. We feel it. We know it. And we try to address those problems with lots of ways. We try to get control or power over pandemics and, and, and disruptive things that happen in our world. We, we, we know everything's ground and muck, and we're looking for solutions. We're looking for answers. We're all looking. We're all yearning. We're all longing. But Jesus says we've got to change our thinking. We've got to change our mindset. We've got to change our attitude about these things because we go about it the wrong way, because the way we go about it is a lot of times the way Rome goes about it, and the way Jesus throughout the Gospels shows many people go about it, and he says, no, don't, don't do that. Repent of that. Change from that. Don't do that. It doesn't solve the problem. It only makes it worse when you try to address it this way. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. God has a different way of addressing the deepest human problems, the deepest human yearnings, the longings that are in us from the moment we are children as we grow up as we yearn for a world that works right, <laughs> where we can be fully alive and free and be everything that God designed us to be. It's in us. It's in our DNA. We long for it. But we look for it in all the wrong places in all the wrong ways. And so there's a little more context that I want to give you here, and we're going to see this throughout the Gospel of Mark. There were kind of four major groups that are talked about over and over in the gospel that Jesus interacted with. And each of these groups, Jesus is going to confront in a different way and say, repent, you're, you're going about this the wrong way. I see the problem. <laughs> there, there's lots of problems, but, but you're, you're, this isn't God's way. This is your way, and you're, you're messing it up. It's only causing worse things. And so here are the four groups. One are the zealots, the zealots. In fact, one of Jesus' disciples was a zealot. The zealots were a political group, a, Israel, a Jewish political group, who resorted to violence, to violence. They were going to overthrow the Romans, and they were going to fight them. These are the, the children of the Maccabees, who were great warriors who fought against the Greeks and now the Romans. And so the zealots said, we know we have a problem. And so the way we're going to address the problem is we're going to fight. <laughs> we're going to battle. We're going to create all kinds of problems for the Roman Empire. That was one group. Another group were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This was the religious class in Jesus' day. These were the people who said, we just gotta, we gotta get more religious and we gotta get more intense in, in the Jewish law and do these things. And within that group, there was also a lot of corruption where they, they were trying to figure out how do, we, how do we navigate the issues with Rome and with all the, the, the different groups. And so Jesus actually... Uh, interacted more with the Pharisees and the Sadducees almost more than any other group. And Jesus confronted them more than any group, and he said, you guys got it wrong more than any group. Wow. So I think 
we're, we're church people here, and, we, and, and God loves the church, but, but there's a little bit of Pharisee and Sadducee in all of us, and we're going to see this throughout the gospel. And so we, we, have to, we have to be careful that we have to repent, change our thinking about things, because Jesus is going to confront that group. The third group are the tax collectors. And the tax collectors, um, they just said, we're not going to go the religious route. We're not going to go the violent route. We, we think we can actually kind of work with Rome, and we're going to kind of game the system. We're going to hack the system, right? We're going to kind of, kind of, we're, we're not going to lose our Jewishness, but we're going to kind of go along with the Roman way of doing things. So the tax collectors kind of represented the group that a lot of people thought, these people are traitors. They're giving in to, to the Roman way, and they're taking advantage of the system, right? They're, they're, they're taking money from our taxes, and they're, they're gaining for themselves, but, but they've, they've left something deep behind. And so Jesus is going to confront the tax collectors as well. And then the last group is probably the group that most of us are going to identify with the most. And these were just the ordinary, everyday people that Jesus interacted with. These were the people just trying to make a living in all the mess that's going to have, that's happening in the world. They're not interested in so much in the religion. They're not so much interested in, in violence and fighting Rome. They're not so interested in joining Rome. They just, they just want to eat, and they want to feed their kids, and they want to they be able to live. They want to be able to live. And these are the people Jesus first encounters. We're, we're going to find out from all of these groups, Jesus calls disciples from all these groups. Jesus is going to call a zealot to be a disciple. He's going to call Pharisees and Sadducees to be his disciples. And he's going to call tax collectors to be his disciples. And he's going to call ordinary people to be his disciples. Jesus invited all of these groups to come to him and to change their thinking, to repent of their way of going about life and to hear and believe the message that the kingdom of God is near. So look at verse 16. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. So this is a, 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 a place in Israel. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful place. And he calls his disciples. The first disciples are Simeon, which is Peter, and Andrew, their brothers, and then James and John. So he calls to them. And look at what he says to them in verse 17. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So this is the kingdom of God. Jesus is revealing to us the essential reality of what the kingdom of God does to people. So when we believe, when we trust, when we accept that the kingdom of God is near, this is what happens. This is the call to discipleship. This is the call that Jesus makes of every single person who's ever lived. And it's the call he makes to you and I today. Come and follow me. Jesus is asking us, inviting us to trust him. Just like you get on that airplane, just like you drive that car, just like you sit on that seat, just like you eat your food at lunch today, you trust, you believe, you accept, you give yourself to it. Jesus is inviting you to give yourself to him, to believe him, to come to him, to know him, that you might know him, to have a relationship with him. This is an invitation to a new identity, a new identity. Come and follow me, Jesus said. Now, these men are fishermen, but the, the, the NIV doesn't capture this. He says, I will send you, but and actually, if you look at the text, it actually says, I will make you. I will make you. 
And so at the central level, what Jesus is saying is that if you are going to come after me, you cannot remain the same. You see, no one can remain the same. Once you encounter Jesus, once you meet him, once you know him, you cannot stay the same. I cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. There is transformation. Jesus will always transform. He will always make you and me into something new and someone new. You see, God is a creator God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, and he is a creator, and he will make us into new kinds of people. And so this is the invitation of discipleship. Come follow me. I will make you. I will transform you. And the third thing, he says, you will become fishers of people, fishers of men. And so there's three things, three essential things that Jesus is going to do if we become disciples of his, if we believe him. If we receive his message, he will, he will change our identity, he will transform us into new kinds of people, and he will give us a new purpose. He will give us a new purpose. Now, there was nothing wrong with being fishermen. I think God loves fishermen. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with our careers, with our work. In fact, God gives us those things, but he changes us in our identity, and he transforms us into new kinds of people, and he gives us a new kind of purpose. And the purpose is centered on people, a people-focused purpose. Because then we begin to see the heart of God, but we sang this morning that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We begin to see that, that in God's kingdom, in God's government, the treasure is the people. The treasure is the people. <laughs> God is for the people, and he helps his disciples begin to see a purpose for living, a purpose for life, a purpose for being a fisherman, a purpose for everything we do. This is the good news of the kingdom. We begin to realize why God made us and what he made us for. Now, as we go through the rest of the gospel, we're going to see the goodness of Jesus and the goodness of the kingdom of God and how he gives us new identity and how he transforms us and how he gives us a new purpose. This morning, we're going to look particularly at a couple situations, but primarily in verses 40 through uh, 45. If you open your Bibles, you'll see that. But before this, Jesus does several things. He drives out demons out of people, impure spirits, in verses 21 through 28. In verses 29 through 34, it says, He went around and he healed, and everyone brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. And so all the problems, all the trouble, people are bringing all the problems to Jesus. Even Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and Jesus heals her. And so Jesus is addressing the real tangible problems, the sickness, the, the mental struggles, the demonic struggles. They're bringing them to Jesus. He's addressing those things. You see, Jesus go and pray by himself, and the disciples say, hey, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus said, my purpose, my reason that I came is that I can preach. That's why I've come. I've come to share this message. The kingdom of God has come near. Now let's look at the specific situation. A man with leprosy, verse 40, came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. Now, in your Bibles, there's a little note. In some manuscripts, it says Jesus was filled with compassion. In other manuscripts, it says Jesus was moved with anger. Which is it? I think it's both. I think Jesus is angry, but he's compassionate. 
because he sees the brokenness of the world. He sees the brokenness of this man. And he reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed out outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him everywhere. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this, because this is the key to understanding that the kingdom of God is good news. We have to understand, leprosy was the biggest problem that the ancient world had. This was, this was a pandemic on steroids because you have to understand that, that leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease. Let me just read what its symptoms are. Skin and peripheral nervous system. So your, your brain and your spinal cord are affected with this disease, with this bacteria. And so your hands, your feet, your face, and your earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and the bones. So this isn't a disease you can hide. You're twisted, you're deformed, twisting the limbs, curling the fingers, claw hands, facial changes, skin collapsing, the nose falling off, tumor-like growths called lepromas coming forming on the skin and the respiratory tract. Optic nerves may deteriorate. The largest number of deformities develop from loss of pain sensation due to nervous damage. And so many times people would harm themselves with water, fire, because they couldn't feel pain and they would destroy their bodies. Now, this is a terrible disease. <laughs> I can't think of a worse disease. And we, we know what it is to fear disease, don't we, over the last few years. And COVID was terrible, but leprosy is, all, is terrible. And this, 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 this was a terrible thing in the ancient world. And so it affected not just phys physical bodies, but it affected all of society. And so what would happen? The lepers would be banished. So if someone in the home got leprosy, they would be sent out. They couldn't come in the home anymore because everyone thought it was contagious. And they could get it. No one wanted le leprosy. And so they would be banished. They were excluded from everything. So they weren't in home. They were homeless or they were in camps. They weren't allowed to have any relationships with anyone. They were, in the Jewish context, they were never allowed to be touched because they were unclean. They were never allowed to worship. And so in their minds, the leper was cursed by man and cursed by God. This is the lowest, hardest, most difficult human condition that the world faced. And here is Jesus. The kingdom of God has come near. Look what he does. He says he's willing to heal. He's angry because he sees what it does. It destroys but he's moved with compassion. Look at what he says and what he does. He says, be clean, but he touched the man. He touched the man. There was a man named Dr. Russell Brand. Uh, he was a Christian doctor, and uh, he heard the message of Jesus. He heard, come to me, and I will make you a fisherman. And so Dr. Brand went to India, and he saw leprosy. And you know what he did? He began to study leprosy. He began to say, there's something we can do about this. And he began to understand how it worked. And he had discovered a cure for leprosy. Today in the world, uh, leprosy is no longer feared because of Dr. Brand. But Dr. Brand wrote several books and he talked about discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus. And he heard the, 
the message of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near, and he heard the invitation of Jesus, identity, this issue of purpose, transformation. His life began to transform in such a way that instead of pursuing wealth and life just for himself, he began to see the world the way God sees the world. And he was moved with compassion. And so in India, he began to develop treatments in helping the poorest of the poor, the greatest struggle that people faced of leprosy, Jesus touched the lepers and his disciples touched lepers. Do you see what God is doing? Do you see what the kingdom of God does? It changes things. I'm gonna invite the ushers to come up because we're gonna take communion this morning. I'm gonna invite the elders to come on up. We're gonna pass this out. But here's what I want you to see. Come on up and we'll go ahead and start passing out. Here's what I want you to see. In the Jewish world, to touch a leper was to become unclean. To do anything sinful was to become unclean. And so a religious person would never touch a sinner, would never touch a leper, would never touch someone who was struggling because they didn't want to become unclean. But look what Jesus does. He touches the leper and he says he is willing to make him clean. I don't know what you're facing this morning. You're probably not facing leprosy, but we're all facing something that's too big for us to handle. But Jesus comes near. His government, his power comes near. And he looks and he sees us and he transforms us and he makes us into new kinds of people. And so we're gonna take this, go ahead and take it and hold on to it and we're gonna take it all together here in a few minutes. Oh, 
God is great, he is good. We know he's good because he sent Jesus into this world to address the deepest, most important issue that we have as human beings. You see, Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome or, or to overthrow governments, he came for people. He's fishing for people, he's fishing for you. He's saying, come to me, come follow me, and I will give you a new identity. I will transform you. I'll, I'll make you with a new kind of purpose, new, with a new kind of person, with a new kind of purpose. The purpose to bring blessing, to bring goodness. And that will bring goodness in every area of human life, every area. But we, like the leper, have to come and say, Lord, I'm unclean. I need forgiveness. Will you touch me? I need rescue. And so Jesus gave his body. This is what it said. This is what he told his disciples. He said, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it. This is my body, your broken body. I got a new one for you. I can heal. I can make you new. Would you take and eat it? Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank from it. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Let's take and drink. He says, they sang a hymn after that. So we're gonna sing, because God is good and the kingdom of God is near. Shout. 
for being here. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week. Oh.